0: I'm good. Lottie's back now. The guinea pig cage is clean. (laughs) Thanks, Andy. Okay, let me just get set up here. Has everyone done their Christmas shopping? No, No, me neither. Haven't even started. But that's okay. Because it's not even December yet, right? (laughs) Heaps of time, heaps of time, heaps of time. Well... This week, uh, do we have any Americans here? I know we've got a few Canadians. Any Americans? This week was Thanksgiving, yes, in America. And I love Thanksgiving, not that I celebrate it, but I love the idea of Thanksgiving. Out of all the American holidays, I think Thanksgiving is one that I could adopt. And um, in the light of Thanksgiving, I've decided that I would... Preach to you about Thanksgiving, but maybe from an angle that you haven't heard before. When I first came here to this church, um, Bron gave me a book to read. It's called 1000 Gifts, and um, it's a bit of a girly book. It's very, uh, the language in it is very colourful and pretty, um, but I really loved it, and as I read it, it really. Um, made a difference in my heart and in my life. And I'm not going to preach from this book, but I just wanted to mention it because if you are struggling with thankfulness, this will rock your world. It's awesome. And basically, she talks about noticing the little things to be thankful for, but she also kind of gives us a, a, a formula, if you will, for joy. And um, when I first came to real life church, I needed a formula for joy. <laughs> because I didn't have very much in my life at the time. And basically, this is what she says is the formula for joy. Perceived grace plus thankfulness equals joy. So she talks about looking and noticing the little things, the little graces in our lives you know, the fact that we have knees or the fact that we have a roof over our head or even things like a, a free education for our kids or whatever you're thankful for. Perceiving those things, noticing those things, the chair that you're sitting on. You don't have to sit on the floor. You can sit on a chair right now. Those little, little things, perceiving them going, thank you, God. I know you were good and everything good comes from you. Thank you, God. And going throughout our life and our day, perceiving these little things, and then being grateful for them, being gone, no there. And being grateful for them and then when you live a lifestyle. Oh the devil's scared this morning. You need the Madonna. Spiro answer, yes. Um, Perceiving these little things and then it becoming a, I know, I do. (laughs) And then it becoming uh, joy in our hearts, walking around every day saying, oh, look at that and look at that and look at that. And having this wonder about our lives because we perceive God's grace. And when I read that, I thought, yes, I should do that more. I should perceive the grace of God more often and I should allow thankfulness to to well up into my heart because I know that that is a way that I can have joy, real joy in my life. And I realised that with all that God has done for me and all that God has done for us as Christians, that we really should be the most joyous people in the world. But unfortunately, I'm a Christian and I have been for most of my life And I probably wouldn't describe myself as being overly joyous. And I think if I take a really good look at myself, I would see that half the problem is that I have stopped perceiving His grace. In particular, the grace that God gave me when He sent His Son in order so I could have salvation. So this morning I want to speak to you about Maintaining the wonder of salvation, maintaining that um, wonder of when you first met Christ and you first found out that He was your Savior, that He'd forgiven sins, that He had, He was your healer, that He was your friend, that He was your confidant, that He was the 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 way that you could have a relationship with the creator of the universe, maintaining that wonder, in that wonder, sit in our hearts and living out of that place of wonder. um, I realized that I had lost the wonder of salvation. And the reason being is because I had forgotten about the fallout. I'd forgotten what life was like What eternity was like without Christ. And when I start to take that for granted, when that becomes more familiar. Is this cutting out? Just keep going. Thanks, Jay. More familiar. Will I just keep doing this, Nate? Um, Yeah. Um, When it becomes more familiar, guess what? I can get a bit used to it. And I can lose some of the, oh, what? Jesus did that for me? You know what I mean? And this happens, I think, when you've been in church for a long time or when you've been saved for a long time. Like, I'm not an old person yet, but I've been saved since I was seven and in church for that long, you know. And now I'm in my late 30s. I can actually look at this whole thing and go, oh, yeah, and it can become ordinary when it's never meant to be because of Jesus, because of what Jesus did. So we did this little exercise, and I decided to read just the red letters in the Bible, just the red letters. And um, when I did that, I came, first of all, to Matthew 5. And I was a little bit shocked what I read in Matthew 5. This is where the red letters begin. This is what Jesus talks about in in the red letters in Matthew 5. um, He talks about the Beatitudes. He talks about salt and light. He talks about the fulfillment of the law. He talks about murder, adultery, divorce. He talks about oaths. Um, He talks about an eye for an eye. And he talks about loving your enemies. So no beating around the bush. Jesus goes straight (laughs) for the jugular and starts talking about these issues, these heavy issues. And it is heavy stuff. And so this morning, I just want to read to you some of the red letters. This is the first things that Jesus talks about after he um, gathers his disciples and he starts teaching them. And I just want to read to you, first of all, I just want to read to you about murder and I want you to, to hear about adultery as well. So I'm just going from um, Matthew 5, I'll start at 21. This is what it says. I was a bit shocked. I'd heard it before, but it's a good reminder. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment as well. Again, another who says to his brother, raka, which means contempt, contempt, is answerable to the Dinin. really what that thing is, is a council an assembly of judges between 20 to 70 men that you stand before and then they judge you but anyone who says you fool will be in danger of hellfire okay anyone who says you fool i did that on the way to church <laughs> honestly i did somebody cut in front of me Yeah, it's a driving thing. At Valentine Lights, and I went, idiot. I did, in my heart, I went, idiot, because I I didn't like it. I did that this morning. So according to Jesus, I deserve hellfire. Didn't murder anyone, but it's just as if I did. That's what Jesus says. So I struggle with that because I go, okay, What's that about God? Surely I'm not as bad as a murderer because I did that. But what Jesus is saying is this. Because, see, Jesus wasn't concerned about earth. He was was concerned about eternity. So he's saying, he's not saying that the consequences on earth are the same. He's saying the eternity is the same. He's saying that anger and murder are in the same basket because they are Both are sins and they both send you to an eternity without God. I think I got it that there's no big or little sin. There's just sin. There's no big sinner, little sinner. There's just sinners and then sinners saved by grace. I think I got it that when I called that guy a fool this morning, mind you, on my way to church when I was preaching... (laughs) <laughs> that that comes from the same place that murder comes from and is sinful and deserves an eternity away from God. Let's read about adultery. This one will flip, flip your lid. Listen to this. Um, let's go from verse 27. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. This is Jesus, beautiful Jesus. This is what he said. What is he saying? He's saying, gouge your eye out. It's better for you to do that than an eternity without God. You know what? I haven't committed adultery, but I definitely have turned a magazine or two and seen David Beckham and gone, you're all right. <laughs> and I would just take a guess that you could say the same thing about, maybe not David Beckham, but any hot chick or any, any dazzling man, and we go, Whoop. did you see that? But you know what? The Bible says that it's the same thing, not because the consequence is the same, but because the eternity is the same. After reading this, I realized that I have no place to point the finger. That I'm up here this morning, not because I'm an amazing preacher, not because I'm perfect, but just because I'm called. And you stand at your post, whatever your post is on any particular day at any particular time, not because you're perfect, not because you've got it all together, but because you're called. that is good. We have to remember the fallout. We have to remember how hard it is for us to keep things together without Christ. In fact, even with Christ, and I'm a prime example, we say things like, you fool, and we get angry. And we do have the odd glance at David Beckham or whoever I don't need license to sin. I do it anyway. I can't help but do it. But what happens is Jesus comes and as I confess that he is my Lord and my Savior, I go from a sinner to a sinner saved by grace. And you sitting here this morning, you probably sinned this morning as well, You'll probably sin tomorrow without even realising it. But it's okay because you're a sinner saved by grace. I don't know if you at the moment are down about anything that you've done or said. But can I tell you something? You're not alone. Because all of us here this morning are unworthy All of us have fallen short. All of us need Jesus. That's the only way to heaven. That's the only way to live a righteous life is through Christ. Yes? This is what Luke 15.10 says. In the same way, I tell you, there will be rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. You know, this scripture follows the passage where the woman loses a coin. And she looks throughout the house for this coin, but she cannot find it. And she's really distressed about it. And um, I've heard plenty of messages on the losing of the coin and the reasoning behind her distress and all the rest of it. But the thing is, she found the coin and there was great rejoicing. And Jesus says that in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sooner who repents. You know, when somebody comes to Jesus, when somebody gets saved in this church and in other churches I've been in, we are happy about that, aren't we? And what do we do? What do I do? I sit there and I give a nice little polite collapse. Nice church clap. Yes, Woo, congratulations, you know Jesus now. Woo-hoo. A nice little church clap. And if it's a conference that we've been to and there's lots of people and there's a bit of hype around, we might even go, Woo-hoo, they got saved. That's awesome, isn't it? But in the heavenlies, the angels don't do polite little church claps. They don't even go, Woo-hoo. it says there is great rejoicing in heaven over one that is saved. Great rejoicing. And I just imagine this jubilant display of the angels going off, you know, really, really happy. So why do they do that and why do we go, I think I know why. The angels know the fallout. The angels were there when Lucifer fell. The angels... It says in heaven that you can see. The angels can see the fallout. The angels can see an eternity, what an eternity without God is like. And that is why there is a jubilant display of rejoicing whenever one person is saved. Because they know the fallout. We don't see the fallout. We only hear of it. People tell us that the way to heaven is the is Jesus is the only way to heaven. We've only heard it. We've only seen a little glimpse of it. We don't know it completely like the angels do. So we can give little polite claps because we don't see what they see. But the angels, we should take a lesson from them this morning. And we should see their jubilant rejoicing upon one person getting saved Because they know what an eternity without God is. You know, when you have been praying and praying and praying for something, and it might seem like a really little thing, but you pray and pray and pray and then God answers your prayer. Or you look for something and you can't find it. And when you find it, it's like, woohoo and you're rejoicing and it's like yes God answered my prayer oh my goodness and it kind of like you can't help but tell everybody if you're a woman you might have a little cry it's like you're going off because you've found this thing or this prayer's been answered and people look at you and they're like oh yeah that's nice and they don't get it they don't get it because they haven't been on the journey They don't get it because they haven't felt the pain. They don't get it because they're not the one that's been crying. They don't get it. But when you get that thing, it's like, woohoo! Even if it seems like a little thing to other people. Salvation seems like a little thing sometimes because we don't see the fallout. But the angels do and that's why they rejoice. Rejoice, 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 rejoice. I need a greater revelation of salvation. I need a greater revelation of all that God, all that Jesus has done for me. When we see how far we have fallen, we have a very, very, very hard time pointing the finger at others. When we see how far we've fallen, what our life would be like without Jesus, we have a very, very hard time pointing the finger at others. Who do you point your finger at? This morning I pointed my finger at the guy that cut in on me. But who do you point your finger at? What prejudice do you have? What people group makes you cringe? Who do you look down on? Sex workers? The Greens? Homosexuals? Women who breastfeed their babies in public? Generation Y? The whole of that generation? Or baby boomers? Maybe you are here and you're a young person, you're like, those old people don't have a clue. (laughs) People with tattoos? the rich? Who are you prejudiced towards? You know, there's little judgments that just fly into your head when you see them. Do you want me to tell you who, who, who I struggle with? Bogans. It's funny, but it's really true. I do. I see a young person in a ute with the Playboy stickers on the back, the burnouts and the Beer tats and all that, and I just go. <laughs> Sorry if there's any bogans in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, they're doing wheelies in the car. But how bad is that? How bad is that of me? Who are you prejudiced towards? You know, I have to change that because that's not right. But I want you to think about who you have a problem with. And I want you to recognize that you have no place to point the finger. And it's a lesson that us churches need to learn over and over again. Jesus had a problem with one group of people in particular. Do you know who they are? Oh we know don't we already? <laughs> Let me just read Mark eight fourteen to twenty one. Mark eight fourteen to twenty one here we go. <clears throat> the disciples have forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warns them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, "It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, "Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see and understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have ears but fail to do you have eyes but fail to see? Yes and ears? and to hear, and don't you remember when i broke the five loaves and the five tha- for the 5000 how many baskets of pieces did you pick up 12 they replied and then i broke the seven loaves for the 4000 how many baskets full of pieces did you pick up they said seven he said to them do you not still understand? So the disciples are thinking. It's a, the issue is about provision. He's talking about the yeast of the Pharisees because he's talking about provision of bread, but what Jesus is saying is, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the yeast of the Pharisees, which is which in Luke twelve one. Is this be on your guard against guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy? He's talking about people that point the finger at others but have no idea of their need for him themselves. He's saying that that hypocrisy is what we should be on our guard against. You know, he just been rubbing up against 4,000 people, feeding all these people. And guess what? In that crowd, there would have been so many people with a whole heap of different issues. And he didn't mention one of them. All he mentioned is the yeast of the Pharisees. That's what was on his mind. He didn't say, be careful of this people group or be careful you don't do that or be careful you don't go with them. He just said, be careful of the Pharisees, be careful of hypocrisy. Let me read to you a little thing that I found from John Hemmer. It says this. It is rather important for us to understand what Jesus was getting at. Any baker will tell you that a little yeast is enough to make the whole batch of dough rise. Just a little and it affects everything. To understand what Jesus means, you could translate yeast as attitude. Just a little of the attitude of those people affects everything, corrupts everything. In the New Testament world, yeast was often used as a symbol of corruption. Jesus cites two different, indeed opposite religious attitudes and says, that both of them, even in a small dose, can effectively corrupt one's whole Christian life. He goes on to say, The problem with the Pharisees was not that they were big sinners. They were the best of people. But they tended to think only those like them had any value in the sight of God. The yeast of the Pharisees is narrow-minded religious exclusism. It is sector sector can't say that sectic yes to the adi- and it has an attitude that says only those who believe and behave like us are saved anyone else is damned or at least of no consequence he says of course it's not only religious people who have these sorts of attitudes the secular equivalent could be extreme tribalism or nationalism the yeast of the pharisees make people more concerned about who is in And who is out than just trying to get on and do the will of God? It makes people continually define themselves as against others. It makes them assume, for instance, that the main thing about being Catholic is not being Protestant or vice versa. I love that bit (laughs) where it says, "...it is the attitude that says only those who believe and behave the same way are saved." Do you have any attitudes like that? I do and I have to get rid of it. Hypocrisy. This is what it means. A pretense of having a virtuous character, moral or religious beliefs or principles that one does not really have. You know, if you look closely at the Bible, you will see one message that is screamed louder than any other. Louder than any do's or don'ts, you will see one message. And I believe that that's the message that should define the church. Jesus is in every book of the Bible. Have you heard that before? I found this thing and it's like a graph and it's huge and I couldn't put it up there, but it showed me how Jesus is in every book of the Bible, whether it be a narrative about him or whether it be a picture of him. So in Genesis, I'll just read them. In Genesis, we see the seed of the woman. So Messiah would be born of the seed of a woman, Messiah, would be the descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Exodus, we see the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, we see the high priest. In Numbers, we see the cloud and the fire. In Deuteronomy, we see the prophet like Moses. In Joshua, we see the captain of our salvation. In Judges, we see the judge and the lawgiver. In Ruth we see the Kinsman's Redeemer. In 1 and 2 Samuel we see the Prophet and the Lord. In 1 and 2 Kings we see the reigning king. In 1 and 2 Chronicles we see Messiah would be from the tribe of Judah. We see it in the we see him in the wisdom of Solomon. In Ezra we see the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah the rebuilder of the walls. In Esther we see Jesus in the person of Mordecai. In Job, we see the day spring from on high. In Psalms, we see the Lord is our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, we see the wisdom of God. In Song and Solomon, we see the lover and the bridegroom, which is the picture of Jesus and, and the church. In Isaiah, we see the suffering servant. In Jeremiah, we see Jer- uh, so Jeremiah and Leviticus, uh, lamentations. We see the weeping prophet, or the Messiah would be God, and the Messiah would be the righteous branch. In Ezekiel, we see the Son of Man. In Daniel, we see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. Lots and lots of prophecy, prophecy about Christ in Daniel. In Hosea, we see the Bridegroom. In Joel, we see the Baptizer in the Holy Spirit. In Amos, we see the burden bearer. In Obadiah, we see the mighty Savior. In Jonah, we see the forgiving God. In Micah, we see the messenger with the beautiful feet. In Nahum, we see the the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, we see the great evangelist and the crying out for revival. Um, In Zapatiah, we see the restorer of the remnant. In Haggai, we see the cleansing fountain. In Zechariah, we see the pierced sun. In Malachi, we see the son of righteousness. And that's just the Old Testament. In the New Testament, obviously, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see Jesus, the Messiah, the miracle worker, the son of man, the son of God. In Acts, we see the ascending Lord. In Romans, we see the justifier. In 1 and 2 Corinthians, we see the last Adam. In Galatians, we see the one who sets us free In Ephesians, we see the Christ of riches. In Philippians, we see the God who meets our every need. In Colossians, we see the fullness of the Godhead. In 1 and 2 Thessalonians, we see the soon coming king. In 1 and 2 Tim, we see the mediator between God and man. In Titus, we see our blessed hope. In Philemon, we see the friend closer than a brother. In Hebrews, we see the blood that washes away my sin In James, we see the great physician. In 1 and 2 Peter, we see the chief shepherd. In 1, 2, and 3 John, we see everlasting love and the righteousness. In Jude, we see the God, our Savior. And in Revelations, we see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's the Bible. (laughs) So when I hold up the Bible and I say, I believe in this book and I live by this book, do you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying I do everything in it because I can't. But what I'm saying is I believe in Jesus. And the only way, the only way I can see God one day is because of him. And I have no right to point the finger at anyone else because he is the only reason I'll be there. And the only reason, I have life now. You know, kind of the musos. Over Christmas. We're going to have some Christmas decorations around the place, obviously. And uh, there's going to be a sign out in the foyer on the wall. And I've chosen the words, love unconditional. And the reason why I chose those words, love unconditional, is this. Because I need to be reminded that I am loved unconditionally. And I want anyone that walks into this church to know that they are loved unconditionally. That it doesn't matter how stinky you are, you are loved unconditionally. That it doesn't matter whether you're struggling with sexual orientation, you are loved unconditionally. It doesn't matter if you consider yourself to be the biggest sinner in the world, or of no sin at all, you are loved unconditionally. Love unconditionally. Let's always emphasize Jesus because Jesus is all we've got. You know, I was thinking about a few of your testimonies. I was thinking about Craig Humble's testimony and Liam's testimony. These testimonies that make you go, oh man, that's amazing. You know, they talk to you about their journey with drugs and Crime and all the rest of it. I don't have a testimony like that. I was saved underneath the wall clock at seven, wall phone, sorry, wall phone in the 80s. Underneath the wall phone in Mulberrying with my mum. I said the sinner's prayer. And then I went to church on my life and I continued a relationship with Jesus. That's my salvation testimony. But do you know what? My salvation testimony is just as radical as Craig's or Liam's or yours. Do you know why? Because our eternal destiny is the same without Jesus. There are no big sinners and little sinners. There are no radical testimonies and only, you know, average testimonies. They're all amazing because of Jesus. Let me pray. Thank you, Lord. You are Jesus, too wonderful for words. We cannot even begin to describe how much salvation means to us. But, Father, I pray for your people this morning that this Thanksgiving and going into this Christmas season, we would have a new revelation a revelation of our salvation, a revelation of who we are because of you, Jesus. I pray, Father, that we would start to see those people that we may have prejudice against as people that are unconditionally loved by you, that we would look past the behaviours that offend us, the exterior, the way they look, the way they talk, whoever they are, Lord. And you would help us, Lord, to look deep into their heart and not have a word of judgement on our tongue have one word and that is Jesus. Father, I just pray that we would be a church that would be known, loving people unconditionally, people that know that they are loved unconditionally. We give you a praise and honour and we just declare, Jesus, that you are too wonderful for words and we're looking forward to finding more joy in our salvation this Christmas. Amen.
1: Very good. I think Loz should YouTube clip that um, guy that was interviewed in Brisbane this week. Did anyone see that Aussie guy? Help her give a greater love for Bogans the robber down the street in his undies. <laughs> Look it up. It's good. It's a very challenging word and um, I, I really pray that we take that on board, that love unconditional. That we are loved and we're called to love others like Christ loved us. You know, I want to finish this morning by reading just a scripture from Romans 10 this morning. Because Lozzie talked about how salvation is for everyone and how being in a relationship with Jesus is the only thing that sets you apart. And it says in Romans 10 verse 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I love verse 10. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. It's as simple as that. By believing in your heart, that God is who this book says he is. All those things that Loz said that who Jesus is, believing in your heart that that's who he is and then simply confessing it and declaring it with your mouth so that it's not just something that is within you but it's something that you're prepared to say, no, that's what I believe. I believe in Jesus Christ. I accept the truth of who he is and I want to invite him in to make a difference in my life and in my world. This morning, I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment and I'm going to give you an opportunity if you are here and you don't know who Jesus is. You don't know the difference He can make in your life. You don't know the unconditional love and acceptance that can come from Him. Then if you are here but you would like to experience that, you would like to know who Jesus is, you would like to invite Him into your world, then I want to give you that opportunity to to do that, to believe in your heart and to declare with your mouth, believe in Jesus Christ that's you I'd like you to raise your hand right now just so